assuring ethical sourcing in our supply chains. Reshoring picks up momentum, and ongoing world events continue to impact supply chains. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories, as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the Group Editorial Director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Aptian. Aptian is a global provider of mission-critical, industry-specific logistics and transportation management solutions. Aptian Proof of Delivery provides advanced transportation systems to world-leading brands, helping to transform final mile delivery services, boost operational efficiencies, and drive business growth. Your delivery operation can be a powerful vehicle to deliver game-changing customer service. Visit aptian.com and discover what's next now. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors, Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham, will be along to provide their insights into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, our supply chains contain products sourced and manufactured from all over the world, but sometimes the origins of some of those products may not be in line with their values. They may be sourced in sweatshops or ignore child labor laws or take advantage of minority groups or even enslaved people. How do we assure ethical sourcing of the products in our supply chains? To find out, here's Victoria with today's guest. Victoria? Thanks, Dave. Today's guest is Steve Arda, founder and CEO of industrial glove supplier Eagle Protect. Steve is here to talk about ethical sourcing in supply chains. Welcome, Steve. Hi, Victoria. How are you? Very good. Thanks again uh, for joining us today. Can you start just by briefly describing Eagle Protect? Um, what does your company do? Right. We we supply and source um, disposable PPE for mostly the food industry, but also some medical use. We started in New Zealand in 2006 and supply around 80% of that country's what we call protein or primary food industry. And we came to the States in 2016 um, to, as we say, save the US one glove at a time. Um, And I'm based in New Zealand at the moment, but I'm, I'm talking to you from our Californian office. Thank you. So why is the ethical sourcing of products such as industrial gloves, but also other items, an important topic in supply chains today? I just think um, there's been a a lot of um, visibility in the last few years in particular. Companies are under pressure from their customers and themselves, I guess, to to perform better. And it's just become something that's, you know, it's the right thing to do, I guess, at the end of the day. It was the big sort of the start of it was around clothing and, and the rag trade and it's moved across into all sorts of industries and the glove industry in particular is one that we say is as bad or as worse as worse than the, the rag trade was in terms of labor rights violations forced labor and all that sort of thing so we're, we're on a real um a real focus of our company is to make sure that we have a very ethical and very transparent supply chain and I should have said, so we're talking about, as you say, um, countries that may be involved in human rights violations and th- um, things like that is what we're talking about, right? When we say ethical sourcing or yeah. there are other issues. Uh, no, that's it's, right. it's the ethical sourcing of, of gloves through the, particularly from Southeast Asia, where most of them are made, um, mm-hmm. Southeast Asia, China, and so on. So this is an issue I would assume for procurement teams, but what other departments or roles within an organization should also be focused on ethical sourcing? Well, we tell people it's a, it's a, a 
problem or a, a, something that we all should be focused on throughout the company. Um, it's, a, it's a tool for marketing, of course, and then you have the problem of greenwashing potentially. But it's something that we're all focused on. And I sort of failed to mention one of our um, certifications we have is we're a B Corp certified business. And that's a designation that tells people that we meet a high standard of verified performance, accountability and transparency. And a big focus of that certification is on the um, transparent supply chain. So has this become a more prominent issue in recent years due to, um, you know, something we hear a lot about um, ESG initiatives, you know, environmental, social and governance. Would you say that that's sort of raised raised this issue in importance? Yeah, definitely. And, and I think a big part of it is um, companies are focused on that. These shareholders are, are interested, the investors are interested. And, you know, you've, we've had um, statements by large investor groups that have said that this is a big part of, of their focus when investing, that they want to be involved in, in clean and ethical companies. But I think the other part that's made it prominent is the transparency of the modern world. It's pretty easy to see what's going on anywhere now with social media and, and communication and everything else. So I think the fact that people can see what's going on behind the curtain um, has sort of raised it as well in terms of of the consumer wanting a better product and a, a, a well-made product that's not using forced labour or, or any of that sort of thing. What is the status of government government regulations regarding ethical sourcing? I believe there are some some rules and regulations in Europe, but are there any emerging rules or issues in the United States um, that maybe our listeners should pay attention to? Yeah, I'm certainly not an expert on these sort of things, but um, Europe has, has led the way for years um, on a lot of this stuff. Australia and Canada are looking at um, various things that the UK have put in what they call the Modern Slavery Act. Uh, the US, through the Customs and Border Patrol, has, in our industry anyway, um, withheld a lot of gloves from various companies. They, they actually put what they call withhold release orders on six glove companies during the pandemic because of ethical reasons, in other words, forced labour, those sort of things. And that was a pretty gutsy move, I thought, in the middle of a pandemic. But um, So it really brought to highlight that the, the, the US government in particular is really starting to focus on this. Um, and they have a mechanism through their website where people can um, anonymously report what they think are, are violations. So I think it's taking it seriously. My home country of New Zealand, unfortunate to say, is not... Um, leading the way on this and we're hoping we're trying to put some pressure on them to follow the lead of some of these other countries. Can technology help with sort of um, you know tracking all of this you know we hear a lot you, you mentioned it I think you know supply chain yep. visibility but also traceability um, how can companies get this done how can they they keep track of, of what they're doing? Uh, well it's a great question because with, with the, the modern sort of visibility if you like or transparency you can really get information almost real time. I mean, we, we've got containers on the water now and we can look on a website and it tells us exactly where they are in, a, in the water. Um, one of the things we've done is working through a, a, a company, they, they produce a, a QR code that is used mostly for medicines and things that you put on the packaging. And it tells you if it's, if it's a genuine product, but it also tells you exactly where it's come from and where it's, you know, it's, it's the whole supply chain. So, on a box of our gloves, you can scan the QR code um, on an Eagle Protect glove, and it'll tell you where the product was made, um, the various certifications it has, and a lot of these are things like the RAP compliance, which is a 
worldwide responsible accredited um, accredited production facility and these sort of things so people can actually look at where the gloves have come from what certifications they have and where, where they've landed in the country and all those sort of things so it's it's some pretty amazing technology and i imagine ai will add to this as that starts to be um, expanded into various industries as well you mentioned earlier just the idea that this is you know the right thing to do I, and i, I I should have asked you, and I want to ask you now, um, is this being driven um, just by the consumer in general, by employees, just or sort of just an overall feeling, as you said, that, that um, you know, making sure you're sourcing from ethical places is, is being done? I think it's, I think it's a higher awareness and, there's, you know, there's a lot of ways people can publicise their, their feelings, you know, social media and, and news media, podcasts, for example. But I think, and, and you may have to beat this one out, but, I, but it's worth saying, one of, one of our very first customers 15 or 16 years ago said um, that um, we, I said to about the B Corp certification and, and ethical sourcing and the fact that we have a code of conduct for all our factories. And he said, Steve, you know, no one gives a shit. So apologies if you have to beat that out. But, um, and, and I said, well, companies may not, but people actually do because people, you know, these are real people who are making our gloves. I've got real families, and, and if you can put a, a face to a name, to use that term, it makes a big difference. It makes it much more personal. And so, and I think people, you know, are, gen are genuinely good. So I think that's just that, put it, make it transparent so that you really actually see work as not just a number or some other sort of statistic. Is there anything else about this topic, um, you know, you want to uh, think it's important for our listeners to pay attention to or anything you want to kind of parting thoughts you want to leave us with? Well, I think, I think there's a lot of cynicism out there because there is some companies that use this just as a marketing tool and it's, and it's not really genuine. But I think it's really, you know, for procurement people and, and buyers of goods and the consumer in general, it's, it's, it's like don't turn a blind eye to us. Don't, just because it's out of sight, don't make it out of mind. And, you know, it's, it's through the, the power of the consumer, if you like, that these things will change for the better. And they are, to be fair, I think... Um, there's a lot of good stuff going on. There's a lot of work to do yet. Steve, thanks very much for joining us today. We really appreciate your insights on this topic. No trouble. Thank you for having me. We have been talking with Steve Arda of Eagle Protect. Back to you, Dave. Thank you, Steve and Victoria. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. And Ben, we know that nearshoring or moving manufacturing closer to markets is gaining in popularity. And we've seen a lot of recent activity in Mexico, for instance, that is further evidence of this growing trend. What more can you tell us? Yeah, exactly. This is one of the themes that we've seen in global supply chains in the last year or so. Uh, really what's happening is that businesses are losing their appetite for risk. Uh, there are a lot of reasons. There's geopolitical violence. The, before that, there was the pandemic. Uh, of course, we have some tumultuous economic conditions, the inflation, the interest rates. Uh, all those factors make it harder and more expensive to move goods around the globe. So but as you say, uh, the, what, what we're seeing is what's called nearshoring. Uh, it means largely moving a lot of those functions out of China, just because in recent decades, they've really uh, been known as the world's factory. Uh, one recent survey from Agility, which is a supply chain services provider, found that 40% of the respondents in its survey expected their businesses to be less reliant on China within five years. Uh, 
this week we saw one of the impacts of that uh, overall trend as Mexico actually passed Canada to become the US's biggest trading partner. The rest of the top five on that list are China and then Germany and then Japan. Well, Ben, that is quite a change since trade between Canada and the US has been strong for many years. How have you seen logistics company react to that change? Um, it, it is quite a change. You're right, and and of you know just to be clear, Canada, of course, is is still at the very top. And basically, when Mexico passed it, now they're uh, you know neck and neck essentially. Um, still, it does mean though that logistics companies need to react, and uh, and we're seeing that. One of the biggest examples happened last year. That was the sort of mega merger in the rail sector between Canadian Pacific and Kansas City Southern. And one of their big reasons for doing that was to create a single rail network connecting Canada and the US and Mexico. Uh, but this week we saw two more examples. Uh, there's a Florida 3PL called Blue Grace Logistics, and they announced that they had opened an office in Guadalajara. That site will support cross-border freight services for full truckload, less than truckload, intermodal, that kind of thing. Uh, also the Texas freight broker called Arrive Logistics, uh, they also this week opened a Guadalajara branch, saying that they could serve their customers better with enhanced cross-border operations by leveraging what they called a, a rich talent pool of industry expertise and resources there. Well, I know that keeping manufacturing in a place like Mexico does solve a lot of the logistical challenges the companies face when sourcing their products in Asia. So I'm sure this is a trend that will only continue to grow. Looks like it. It'll be really interesting for us to keep track of it. Yep, exactly. Thanks, Ben. Glad to. And Victoria, you wrote this week about how war and drought situations are having increased impacts on the supply chains of the retailers who depend upon them. Can you share the details? Absolutely. Happy to. Um, and I think we're likely to see more of what Ben was just talking about if the shipping crises around the world continue, particularly in the Red Sea, where attacks on vessels hindering trade through the Suez Canal, but also closer to home um, at the Panama Canal, where drought conditions have reduced transit. A report out this week explains how delays and disruptions stemming from the difficulties in those regions could affect retailers that rely heavily on maritime imports from Asia. The report is from Moody's Investor Service, and the key point is that conditions in both areas have led to reduced cargo volume, delivery delays, and higher freight costs, all of which could take a bite out of retailers' profitability in the months ahead. Victoria, did the report elaborate on those higher freight costs and how that may play out this year? Yes, it did. Um, so rising freight rates are among the biggest concerns for shippers. Um, container spot prices have risen more than 114% since last December and are up more than 130% compared to 2019, according to the report. And they base that on data from the Shanghai Containerized Freight Index. Um, essentially, those higher costs could negatively affect retailers' profits by the end of this year. Um, and if rates remain elevated, that could affect contract rates, which are typically reset annually. So the impact of higher costs also has a looming sort of longer term effect. Uh, European retail and apparel companies are most at risk because they rely heavily on the Suez Canal for those Asian imports. U.S.-based retailers, on the other hand, um, a little bit more fortunate. They can divert some of that trade to West Coast ports. Still, uh, risk remains high for everyone as long as the delays continue. The risk does remain high, and of course, the costs are going up as a result. Thanks, Victoria. 
You're welcome. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories. Also check out the podcast notes section for direct links to read more about the topics that we discussed today. And we'd like to thank Steve Arda of Eagle Protect for being our guest. And we welcome your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at agilebme.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters at your favorite podcast platform. Our new episodes are uploaded on Fridays. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by Aptian. Forged from decades of industry experience, Aptian Proof of Delivery supports global delivery fulfillment operations with the tools they need to increase efficiencies, gain real-time visibility, automate communications, and enhance the delivery experience for customers. Your delivery operation can be a powerful vehicle to deliver game-changing customer service, reduce costs, and drive growth. Aptian Proof of Delivery can help. Visit aptian.com and discover how now. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters. Be sure to join us. Until then, have a great week.